incomparable gain. Can you all hear me? I got everything hooked up, I think, right? Romans 8, 16, uh, 17, and 18. Let's look at the text tonight and start working through it. Word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, verse by verse. I love expository preaching. Verse 17, and if children, and actually, what are we talking about? Verse 16 says, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Verse 18, for I reckon, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So let's start looking at this uh, break up here, these couple verses, incomparable gain. I want you to be thinking, this chapter, we're, we're still months in this chapter yet, probably. In addition to freeing believers from sin and death in verses 2 and 3, enabling them to fulfill God's law in verse 4, changing their nature, verses 5 through 11, we have a new nature now, empowering them for victory, verses 12 and 13, and confirming, and I love, we've got that song loaded, Abba Father. I don't know if that was new to you or not. I love, I just want to see, has anybody sang that hymn before, Abba Father? Okay, great. Many of you did. I love that hymn, and it went tonight so well. <coughs> confirming our adoption as God's children, 14, 15, and 16, the last time we came. The Holy Spirit guarantees our ultimate glory in 17 through 13. In 17 and 18, the Apostle Paul focuses on believers' spiritual gain. Do you like to gain stuff? Do you like to gain? Do you just like to gain? Now, come on. Yes. Do you like to gain? I like to gain. And so this is a spiritual gain and it's through the glory that we're actually guaranteed. If you are in Christ, if you know that you know that you know because of what the scripture has said, that you are a Christian and you have given your life over, you've asked forgiveness, and you're a Christian tonight, Paul tonight in these verses are focusing on the glory that is guaranteed you and I as Christians. Now, the various aspects of salvation, which the Bible talks about, such as regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification. You all, folks, somewhat, you've heard these terms, you somewhat know these terms tonight. None of those terms, which are huge we could spend months, not every other Wednesday, but every week, going over each one of these individually <clears throat> in a systematic study of theology. None of those, all four of those categories, can exist without the others, folks. They are actually woven into the seamless fabric of God's work of redemption. If he has redeemed you in and through his son Jesus Christ... These are all the fabric of redemption in your life. So there can therefore be no loss of salvation between the point of justification in your life to the point of glorification 
in your life. There can, or you can think of it this way. There can never be justification without glorification. You can't be justified and not glorified. Paul's talking about the glory that you and I are, have gained because of Christ. You can't be justified and redeemed in Christ and then miss the glorification, the gain of Christ. Um, I will give you much scripture tonight to think about as we talk through this. Because I don't, I'm not just some coach up here trying to puff you up and encourage you and shove you out the door all emotionally. I'm trying to take the word of God and plant firmly doctrine in your heart and in your life that you know you walk and you're firmly planted and you firmly know why you exist, what's going on in your life, what's, in, what's presently, what's in the future. Romans 8, <coughs> verse 30 says, Paul says, Moreover, further down in this text, whom he did predestinate, if you're in Christ tonight, that's talking about you, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also what? Justified. And whom he justified, them he also what? Glorified. Justification, you can think of it this way. Justification is the beginning of salvation, folks. And glorification is actually its completion. Okay? Folks, once it has begun, God will not stop it. And no other power in the universe is able to stop it. Once redemption, once justification starts, it cannot, it's an impossibility to stop it. Paul, actually further down the text, he makes sure this is inspired. God inspires this. Paul writes it under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he says in Romans 8, further down, verses 38 and 39, it's worthy to memorize. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to what? Separate us from the love of God, which is in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. During his earthly ministry, look at what Jesus said emphatically in John chapter 6, 37, 39, and verse 40. Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And this is the Father's will. If someone says this is the Father's will, you can be sure of it. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose everything. I should lose nothing. But shall raise it up again in the last day, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Because man was created in the image of God, he was made with a glorious nature. Just go back to Genesis, the early days, <clears throat> inspired scripture. Millions of years ago, right? 
No. Thousands of years ago, right? In the garden, creation was happening. And he makes Adam and Eve. And he makes them glorious. Before the fall, man was without sin. I can't even comprehend that. He was without sin and in a, in, in a way that Scripture does not reveal. Adam and Eve radiated the glory of the Creator. <clears throat> it's amazing to think about. But when Adam and Eve fell, when Adam fell, by disobeying the single command of God, they lost not only their sinlessness and innocence, but also they lost their glory and they lost their dignity and they lost their honor. And it is for this reason that all people, Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? There is not anybody ever, other than Jesus Christ, has ever been born into this world. And he wasn't. He was, but he wasn't. He was the God-man. He's the God-man from heaven. Nobody has ever been born into this world, folks, that just radiates and shines glory. Every single person. That's why the gospel is so important. That's why your brothers and sisters and your uncles and aunts and your nieces and nephews and your sons and daughters and your co-workers and some people at church, they don't have the glory of God. Some. Because of Adam and Eve, the sin, the fall of mankind, all come short of the glory of God. The ultimate purpose of salvation is to forgive and to cleanse people of their sin and actually to restore to them God's glory. Adam and Eve had it. Gone. Jesus comes along. The greatest rescue mission this world will ever know. To bring back and to give back the glory that we lost because of sin. <clears throat> Glorification marks the completion and the perfection of salvation. That's why you and I know each other pretty well by now. I don't think there's anybody in here I don't kind of know. <laughs> I know you're a sinner. I know mo many of you are Christians, believers, and by now, you know I'm a sinner. You ask my wife, because she lives with me so closely and relate, re relationally. Someday, the glorification, think about it, it'll, it'll come to completion, that perfectness of salvation that is so wonderful. Now you can go home and you're like, I'm so glad I'm saved tonight. I'm so glad I'm in the family of God. I'm so glad I'm an heir. <clears throat> Someday, it's going to be amazing when it comes to completion and perfection. So as the late British pastor and theologian, I'm not sure if anybody's ever heard of Martin Lloyd-Jones, he rightly observed in his exposition of our text. This is what he wrote about our text in Romans. Listen to this. And I quote, Salvation cannot stop at any point short of entire perfection or it's not salvation, unquote. That's what this 
British preacher observed from our text. He's like, it cannot stop until it's perfected, until you're with Christ, or it's not salvation at all. I agree with him. It wouldn't be that great of salvation if it could stop. That truth is seen in what Paul told the Philippian believers in Philippians 1, verse 6. If you know this verse, it says it right there. Being confident of this very thing, Paul says, that he which hath begun a good work in you, has he begun a good work in you tonight? You don't have to answer. You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to. You can get excited about it. But if he's begun a good work in you, folks, he will perform it. He will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, until you see Christ face to face. He's, he is performing it presently right now, and he is perfecting it progressively, not perfected, but perfecting in you until that state of glorification. Nobody's glorified yet. Nobody's in that completion stage yet. <clears throat> here on earth. So, salvation brings continual growth in glory until it is perfected in the likeness of Jesus Christ himself. So, I say all that, and that's why I say I'm not going to get through all this tonight. I'll have to come back and finish this. But I want to preach to you tonight on incomparable gain. And let me just get started with the first point tonight. Because it is rich, and take it to heart tonight. For your life. The first part of verse 17. The receiver of gain. Look at verse 17 again. And if children. Then what? Personally look at it. For yourself tonight. If you are a Christian. That's talking about you. Take it personal. It's a love letter to you. Tonight. It's talking about. Who you are as a child of God. That's what he was talking about in verses 14 through 16. It's a love letter to you. It's inspired to you. It's given to you, not just the Roman church that Paul wrote to, you and I. The emphasis in verse 17 and 18 on believer's glory is closely related to our adoption as children of God in verses 14 through 16. As is clear from 14 to 16, you see a little if. Look at verse 17. You see a little if, don't you? I'm sorry, folks. It doesn't carry the idea of possibility or doubt. I wonder if. But the reality, the causality, and it actually might be translated better because. You could look at verse 17 and say, and because children, then heirs. Because you're in the family of God, because you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you are an heir. In other words, because all believers have the leading of the Holy Spirit, verse 14, and his witness, he bears witness to your spirit that we are the children of God, in verse 16, that we, we, we are without a doubt. Because of all that, he says we're heirs. Folks, the heavenly angels, we've talked a little bit about that if you've been in the one ABS Sunday school class. Um, the heavenly angels not only serve God directly, but they also serve believers. Some of you, 
they have dealt with and helped and served and encouraged and protected. Don't know who. Why? Why in the world, why in the world would a heavenly angel come to help me or protect me or encourage me or whatever? Why? Why would, why? I don't know. But probably somebody has been helped. Why? Because you are God's child. You are an heir of God. And those angels serve him personally. And when he says, you go help him, you go help her, you get over there and stop them from a car wreck, or you stop them from a whatever, they're out. Because you're God's child. You're an heir. As I explained a couple weeks ago, Paul's figure of adoption seems to follow, I think, I think more of a Roman law and custom than the Jewish way. And we might expect this because actually, who's Paul writing to here? Who? He's writing to the church at Rome. And so I'm thinking he's working on Roman customs more than Jewish customs here. Um, Although many of them were Jewish, if their families had lived there for several generations, they would have been familiar, familiar with Roman customs just as the Jewish custom. They probably would have kept some of their really wonderful Jewish customs, but they would have like, oh, we're so familiar after the last couple um, uh, our families and last couple generations. We're so familiar with Roman customs. In Jewish tradition, the eldest son normally received a double portion of his father's inheritance. Go back to the Old Testament. You understand that. You remember that. In Roman society, that's more like what, we, what would be typical today. <clears throat> in Roman society, on the other hand, although a father, he had the prerogative of giving more to one child than to the other. It would be like, I, see, I just see these guys right here. Mark, and then there's Meg and Seth, and he's like, you know, Megan, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to give Seth the double portion, not you. And Mark has a prerogative, doesn't he? But that's not so much of the Roman society um, giving more to one child than the other. Normally, normally, uh, if they were Jewish society, or the Roman society, he'd say, Megan, I'm going to give you half, and Seth, I'm going to give you half. It was just the two children. There's more. But that's more like what we would do. Um, they would receive equal shares. And under Roman law, inherited possessors, possessions, uh, they enjoy more protection than those that were bought or, or worked for. So maybe thinking on those Roman customs, because Paul was a Roman citizen, right? And he knew it well, and he's thinking on those Roman customs and laws. Paul, his, his emphasis in this passage is on, here's, what may, here's the spirituality of it, the equality of all of God's children. If you're a Christian here today, it's not that Mark is going to get a whole bunch more inheritance than Danny, or or Danny than Dave, or this guy than this woman, or this child. It's equality in Christ. Isn't that awesome? You can't stretch your stuff and say, man, I'm getting this and this and this and this. Now, maybe if you want to talk about, you know, Haywood and stubble and gold, silver, and precious stone and rewards and all that. That's a whole other topic. But we're equal in Christ tonight. Amen. All of us equal in Christ. 
You're an heir. I'm an heir. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. And I think that's what Paul is stressing here. And that brings us to not only the receiver of gain. If you're a child of God tonight, you're receiving glory, gain. Uh, Number two, the basis of gain. And you see this, you go back to verse 17. And the reason I went so slow, it's just so wonderful to read and take personal. And if children, then heirs, what's it say next? Heirs of Heirs of God, the basis of gain, the basis, folks, (coughs) and source of believers' gain is God. Their Heavenly Father who has adopted us as His children and heirs. He did the adopting. He did the drawing. He did the convicting. He did the saving. And He is the one giving the glory out. Isn't that awesome? God is doing it all. And we're receiving it. And we didn't do anything to gain it. That's grace. That's awesome. Man, this young generation. That's cool, isn't it, folks? That's what the... Yeah, that's awesome. God did it all, and we're receivers. We're gaining. Paul assured the Colossian Christians in Colossians 3.24. He says that, From the Lord... From the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Man, I will tell you, if you never inherit anything on this earth, I've talked to some of my brothers. My mom and dad has had, they've got some money and different things and stuff. My dad passed last year. My mom's getting older, but I hope she goes for another 10 years or 20 years. I don't know. She can do it if the Lord allows her. But my brothers, you know, we're like, hey, if we don't get anything, we could care less. And that might be you someday. You might not ever get an inheritance on this earth. But if you're a Christian, you will get inheritance from the Lord. For sure. That's awesome. This inheritance is only God's to give. And the neat thing is, he's not stingy. He gives it uh, at a cost you. He gives it freely. Just like he gave salvation. You didn't pay for salvation, did you? You didn't do anything for salvation. Jesus Christ paid for salvation on the cross, didn't he? And and with the inheritance, you didn't have to pay for it. You didn't do anything for it. He is going to freely give it out and dispense it equally to everyone. Freely, without exception, on those who are his children and heirs. And the only thing he's looking for is that you have Jesus Christ in your heart. That's the prerequisite. You will not be inherited. You will not have an inheritance from the Lord if you have not come through Christ and Christ alone for salvation. In his description of the sheep and the goat's judgments in the last days, many of you are familiar, Jesus reveals the astounding truth that our inheritance with him was ordained by God. Actually, which is gives you a headache, is from eternity past. That's really neat. And this is where Pastor Carl has been, um, not the Sermon on the Mount, sometimes we can confuse that, the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 25, verse 34. Jesus said, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of 
the world. That's really neat, folks. That's theology. God has done this work in eternity past for knowing that you in this season, in this year, would get saved and would come to Christ and would be a child of Christ. He did this in eternity past. Now, the value of inheritance is determined by the world of the one who gives it. And the inheritance of Christians is from the creator, the sustainer, the owner of this world. The owner of this universe, the owner of this world, he's the one that gives the inheritance. God not only is the source of our inheritance, but is himself our inheritance. Let me ask you a question tonight. Would you agree with me tonight, of all the good things in the universe... The most precious is the creator of the universe himself. I'm not saying that piously, but I'm saying that soberly tonight. He's the greatest thing you could ever inherit in the universe. Without inheriting him, nothing else is worth anything. Actually, the psalmist said in Psalm 73, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Have you ever read that, quoted that, said that back to the Lord, thanking him? Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He wrote in Lamentations 3.24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. That's an encouraging verse to memorize. And then in his vision on the Isle of Patmos, John in Revelation 21, 3, he says, he, he actually heard a loud voice from the heavenly throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. Let me ask you another question. Would you also agree with me tonight? the greatest blessing God's children will have in heaven will be the eternal presence of God. In heaven, you will never be at a loss for trying to see Christ, seeing God, walking with the Lord, being in his presence. Heaven is going to be that wonderful. We will be constantly in the eternal presence of our Lord. Tonight, if there has never been a time in your life you've ever asked Christ to save you, I was 27. Thought I was a pretty religious guy. Hey, folks, I went to church almost every Sunday. I was an altar boy for four years. I put the candles out. I lit them. I did all kinds of work serving the Lord. Went to church. Well, sometimes I would split out of church in CCD. They call it CCD Sunday school. And uh, I would actually run over to McDonald's. But, you know, it was okay frequently sometimes. 
If you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you're a religious person, if you're counting on even coming to church tonight with a whole bunch of other church at times, it's not about Christ in your life. It has to be Christ forgiving you and saving you from your sins. You can do that anytime. Don't ever be embarrassed to come to somebody and say, you know what, I think everybody thinks I'm this, but can I talk to you? Can I ask you a couple questions? Man, it's the most important decision you can ever make in your life. I don't think Susan and I have ever really given our testimonies. Someday, we have given it hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. It's a long one. I can't wait to keep sharing and sharing and sharing my testimony and her testimony. It's pretty radical, but the Lord is just a radical, redeeming, saving God. Awesome God. You say, I have been tonight. You say, I have been justified. Not even keeping track of the time, but I am early tonight. You say, I've been justified. I know I've been justified. I know what the doctrine of justification is all about. I'm justified. I've trusted in Christ, and I've trusted in his work on the cross for me, to save me, to forgive me. Folks, we want to be faithful until the time we are finally glorified, that list I put up there. We don't want to just say we're justified and then just like, I'm okay, because I know what the preacher said tonight. I got inheritance, and nothing can stop it until we're glorified, the perfection of it. So I'm going to cruise. No, you don't want that mindset. You want to be faithful. Brother Mike is going to be coming up here as a get ready to pray for all of us tonight and lead us in this hymn. You and I want to be found faithful as he has justified us, redeemed us, and we're living our life until finally we are glorified someday. You receive that glory. The only reason there's any glory in your life right now is because Jesus Christ is in your life. Take Christ out of your life, there's no glory in your life. Someday it will be a permanent, it is a permanent now, but a, a completion. Father, thank you tonight uh, for this wonderful book of Romans. It has been packed with theology and not just some heady theology that takes so much study. It does take a lot of study, but it is such a personal love letter to the church of Rome and to every Christian. It is personal to us. Paul is helping us to be secure in our relationship with Christ and to be secure in our Christian relationship, to be secure in walking with Christ every day. And Father, as we take this tremendous epistle verse by verse and chapter by chapter, may it strengthen our foundation in Christ. May we be solidified. May we be secure in our relationship with you. And Father, ultimately, Lord, we pray and we desire and we long as we know we will receive an inheritance of glory. We can't wait to hear that well done now, good and faithful servant. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name for our inheritance. Amen.